Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Roper Report Extra Podcast. We're back. Once again, uh, previewing a game we weren't expecting to preview. We're playing Hull on Saturday night and uh, it's on Sky, so there's something to look forward to or not. Maybe it'll ruin your weekend, <laughs> but looking forward to it anyways. And join me today just to preview the game is Mr. Player Ratings himself, Malk Dugdale. How are we doing, Malk? I'm good, Gav. Thank you for having me. How are you today? Fabulous. Could be worse, couldn't it? Um, Chris, <laughs> how are you, mate? Chris wins here. Yeah, I'm not bad. It's uh, good to be back, isn't it? I think. I think I'm. I'm not, I'm not. I'm still not sure. I'm still processing yeah. this news that we're playing Hull. I'm not I sure. I, I'm, I think by the end of this podcast, I might know a little bit more about whether I actually want this game to happen <laughs> or not. So yeah, if people hadn't noticed already, I'm sure they have. But yeah, we're playing Hull on Saturday, a game which I believe both teams have been trying to trying to get arranged for a couple of days now. So it's good to see that the EFL have approved the the fixture, and on top of that, it's been approved for Sky TV, which means we'll get the, all all the different cameras, and we'll get the uh, the professional commentary. Not to say Frankie and Danny aren't professional, but you know, you get the Sky standard commentary on uh, on Saturday night, and it gives us something to look forward to, doesn't it, Malk? It does, yeah. I mean, it's it's a bit of a um, potential poison chalice, I suppose. You know, because looking back at the the first game we had coming back from the break and I'm sure we'll go into that a bit more shortly you know the the lads have just come back from the covid break Johnson clearly wants to get back into games get some momentum going the the killer question is is this the right game to do that with after the break we've had and the you know the potential fitness overhang and this that, and the other but on on the whole it's the right thing to do and I'm actually pleased the league and the clubs have taken the initiative because we want to minimise the risk of the season being either cancelled altogether or truncated in some way. So fitting the games in when you can is absolutely good sense. It's yeah. just whether this is the right team at the right time is my concern. Yeah, that that's one thing, isn't it, Chris? I was considering earlier, is it is this probably in Hull's favour? Because Hull have been playing regularly recently. I know they've had some COVID-positive tests, but the, I mean... the. the and we'll get on to Hull's form and stuff later in the podcast, but this is probably a good time to play Sunderland, isn't it? Considering especially how we played against Northampton. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean their, their game against Charlton on the second, so what was that, kind of same day as we played Northampton, that was their first game back after playing. I think their game before that was on the 18th of December. Yeah, and that's right. Sorry. Yeah, so yeah. They, they'd had a decent break as well. So actually probably about the same as what we'd had, maybe a, a bit less. So I think both sides are kind of in the same boat on that front. But 
I mean, we're just talking about on paper being in the same boat, but we don't know how it's impacted the Sunderland squad. We don't know how it's impacted the whole City squad. I heard Lee Johnson talking about kind of the, the, the double dip effect of, you know, when players think they've getting over COVID and they think they're, they're okay again. And then suddenly they suddenly feel it again and they're feeling fatigued. So you just don't know what's going on behind the scenes at both clubs to know whether it's advantage, you know, us or them. You'd hope that since they've both agreed that they're both in good shape to, to play the game and they've got a as fully fit squad as, as can be. You know, if you take COVID out of the equation. So I'd like to think if they've both agreed, then both clubs are feeling good about it. That Northampton game at the weekend, Mark, I know you've already been on the pod this uh, after the game, just talking about it. But we'll just quickly touch on the performance because especially when you compare it to to Hull's game, they I mean, they beat Charlton, who are a good team. We sort of struggled and laboured against a, a poor team. But it's become a bit of a, a pattern, hasn't it, with Sunderland when we play these crap teams that we, we, we sort of fall into the trap. It's very easy to play against us. They just stick 11 men behind the ball and, you know, it, it sort of nullifies any sort of threat we've got. Where with Hull, with Hull it's a little bit different, isn't it? Because Hull, Hull are a better team than Northampton, obviously, the, the second top in the league. There's there's lots of swings and roundabouts for me with this. The uh, Ignoring the Charlton game at the weekend where they won 2-0, but they were only 1-0 up until Charlton got a man sent off, remember? They scored the second goal when they were down to 10 men. So right. yes, it's a good win um, for them, but you know they're hardly ripping up trees. That, that totally flew yeah. by me. So yeah, that does sort no, of no. change the um, takes a shine off that sort of result, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And and the other fact that I didn't know until uh, I heard that we were going to try and do a quick reaction pod for this replanned fixture was they've lost the three before that. Um, yeah. So I know they were all games in like you know middle of December and stuff like that, and then they had a break the same as we did. But they've you know they've won the last one um, against Charlton at home with a red card, giving them the the kind of the extra man for the second goal, and they lost the three before that. Um, so you know is it is it a terrible time to play them? I don't think so. Shrewsbury beat them at Hull, Blackpool beat them at Blackpool, and Portsmouth beat them at Hull. So, hmm. you know, they're clearly a team as well. Going back to your earlier point about are they a good team to try and play and are they like the challenge of Northampton? I don't think they will be. They're going to have a go. And if the if the lads can get back the way they were um, at Sinsel Bank against Lincoln, and Lincoln had a go, to be fair to them, you know, mm-hmm. and the first goal could have definitely gone either way in that game, then, you know, we're going to have a chance to have a proper game of footy on Sky, as you said. And, and you know, it's going to be less of a challenge like the Northampton or the AFC Wimbledon ones, you know. Mm. That's my view anyway. Yeah, so before we actually get on to previewing the game, I just want to do a run round of the of the latest news. Um but before we even do that, Chris, just the Northampton game at the weekend, um I mean how much can we really take from that? I, I, one one of the things I picked up from the ratings pod the lads did was kind of there was a lot of sympathy for the players and the manager sort of, you know, they'd been thrown into the into the game after a couple of days of training. Now we've had sort of the players are going to have another week by this whole game. Um, I mean, what what are you expecting, and what what can you take from that Northampton performance? I think we can take a lot from it because what we saw was nothing different than we've seen all season. So I think I think from that, I mean, we we can say that you know nothing nothing has progressed. And all right, if if they want to kind of throw an excuse out there, yeah, okay, fair enough. They've only had a couple of days training, and he hasn't. He he hasn't had a lot of opportunity to get them on the training ground and put in the 
the, the patterns of play that he, he, he'll no doubt want to put in because hmm. Parkinson's drilled it for, what, 12, 12 months? Get the ball wide, cross it aimlessly into the box, hope that there's somebody there, get the second ball, drop, you know, if the second ball drops, win it, get a goal, nick something. And that's being drilled into them for 12 months. So Lee Johnson needs the time to get on the chain of ground, deprogram them and make them have different patterns of play in the final third. But it's just worrying. And, and there was the odd ball that was played through the middle to a striker's feet where he could try and turn. And there was a couple of attempts at one-twos on the edge of the area. And there was kind of small kind of green shoots you could see against Northampton that the players were trying. But the problem is, it's when they're in trouble, they revert to what they know and what they've been taught for the last 12 months, which is get the ball wide and, and just sling it in. So I just hope he's getting enough time to drill this this sort of stuff out of them and, and just ch- just have a bit of variation in, in the final third. Because from Northampton, we, we're not learning any lessons yet. So it'll be interesting to see what our patterns of play are going forward. Because I think I don't think it's any secret that, that that's where our trouble is. Mm. Um. Yeah, so another postponement in the FL. Um, I think Shrewsbury are the latest team to go down to COVID after the latest round of testing. And interestingly, on top of that, Port Vale, who were set to play next Tuesday, they've had one positive COVID case. But that player's in isolation, the rest of the squad all and staff all tested negative. So let's just hope that by the time the next round of testing comes around, before that game next Tuesday, um, that that you know, there's no more positive tests within their ranks, and we can get that game on. But the news today came that uh, the PFA have partnered with the EFL um, to to fund twice weekly COVID testing starting this coming Monday. Um, any thoughts on that, Malk? Obviously, it's 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 good to see something happen, but it feels like this this should have happened a long time ago for me. I'm, I'm I know I know that it's difficult and it costs a lot of money. But this COVID testing had had to have been done a lot sooner. I mean, the amount of postponements we're seeing in the AFL is pathetic at the minute. Yeah, I would agree, Gav. I think it's uh, it's a bit late, to say the least. I think it's one of those things that the AFL are doing reactionary rather than preventative. Mm. So that, you know, they're thinking, well, hang on a second, if this really gets a hold, we could have another season fall apart. So they're doing what they can a little bit later than they should have done, try and keep the season going. It should have always been AFL-led for me. That whole farce about, you know, Sunderland not knowing whether to cancel the, the game before the COVID break or not because the, the, they weren't sure whether they'd get, like, uh, penalty points or whether what the investigation would do. If the AFL had run the testing since it was required and made the decisions based on their results, none of the clubs would have been put through that. So it's a little bit late. Um, I hope it does what it needs to do. You know, we've been put into another lockdown, but professional sports are carrying on. Um, hopefully, uh, this is one of the measures that will give us something to um, enjoy sports-wise. Because uh, mm. if if not, there's going to be another couple of weeks of a, a cessation of football. And the bloody, you know, the lockdowns are miserable enough without even any, any football to watch and, you know, <laughs> things to keep your mind busy. So, so yeah, a bit late for me, but, uh, you know, better late than never, I suppose. Yeah. Chris, is there anything to add on that, I guess, is... Well, I would like to ask you. Um, yeah, I know you're, you've you've got you've had some strong views on this sort of thing in the past. Yeah, I think I think the the EFL have been a bit of a disgrace from the from the very beginning, going back to last March, April time, because they've they've got a duty of care to the to these players. I mean, all, all it would have taken. I mean, imagine the situation that they would have been in if a player had reacted really badly to the virus and getting you know seriously ill, 
and the 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 EFL and the PFA hadn't actually given a duty of care to their to the people in their kind of profession and, and union. Um, I think there would have been a bit of an uproar after that if someone really got sick. And it only would have taken one player. And there's plenty who are, who have been sick, and there might still be some players who've got kind of long term COVID out there because they they carried on because they were told to carry on and they're told it was safe. So I mean, them putting this in now. I mean, shows the seriousness of the the situation we're we're all in at the moment, as if we don't know, because we're all in lockdown at the minute. But with the kind of asymptomatic cases that are coming out, I mean, I, I don't think they had, they had a choice. Mm. You know, with players taking to the pitch, and why they haven't taken the safety of the players as their number one priority. I mean, they, they keep saying they are, but I mean, you just need to take a look at Sunderland's situation against Wimbledon, and it's clear that they didn't. Because if that was the case, their first sentence would have been to Sunderland: "If you've got a positive case." cancel the game, and then we'll investigate later. Not, oh, well, we'll we'll do an investigation if you cancel it, which means Sunderland play it. Possibility of mm. infecting their own players and the opposition players and staff. I just I think the whole thing's been a farce. And the problem is now, it's not just on the, the, the talked about the health side there, but also the, the competition side of things. Because you look at League One, everyone's played different amount of games. Everybody's all over the place. People have stopped playing for two weeks. It makes the competition a farce and it kind of takes, it's almost like I was thinking earlier on, it's like Sunderland and Hull City organising this game. It's like, you know, Sunday League when you, you know, your game's called off and you ring another team saying, oh, you fancy a <laughs> kickabout on Sunday. Yeah. Try and rattle up a friendly, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's got that sort of feeling about it. The EFL should have been on top of it saying, right, you've got a free weekend, so you two play each other. You two got a free weekend. And the EFL kind of make the announcements, not the clubs. And they yeah. don't sort it out behind the scenes. It's like, Right, well, if you're fit to play and you're fit to play, you've got a free weekend. We're putting it in the, the schedule, the beginning of the week, so everybody knows. And I, I just think the whole thing's a farce. Yeah, I, I, that, that, that's something I did want to touch on. The fact that it, it seems that Sunderland and Hull sort of sort this out themselves. What What's going on? Because you would imagine that this isn't the only instance in the last couple of weeks where two teams have had the opportunity to play each other where they've previously had a game called off. Why is that not being done proactively? It it does seem strange, but then the EFL have proven quite consistently since the COVID outbreak started that they're pretty inept. And it's it's just one more example, really, of of them not being up to scratch, I guess. Um, and, and people may think we're being a little bit harsh. Maybe we don't know the full facts, but certainly the indication I was given was that this was very much Sunderland and Hulls doing this arrangement of this game. Um, obviously, the EFL have had to sanction it, and that's fantastic. But there needs to be something in place going forward. And this, hopefully this is the benchmark for fixtures being rearranged because we're going to be in it. And it won't just be Sunderland. It'll be a lot of teams. But we're going to be in a situation come around summertime where there are a lot of games still need to be played. Um, You know, touch wood that the, uh, the league continues, obviously. And it just makes us think, you know, we need to start squeezing these in now. Little games like this have to be played just to try and ease that congestion that's going to come by the end of the season. Right, okay, so let's move on to the Hull game then. I had a little look at the table before we came on here. Obviously, you touched on it before. Hull's form going into the game, although they did beat Charlton, which is a big win considering Charlton are inside the playoff places. They've lost the last three before that, which came before their COVID break. So their form is odd. And although Grant McCann wouldn't say which players have COVID or have tested positive for COVID. Um, they were missing a number of key players for that game. It's going to be interesting, isn't it, Mal, to see what sort of team they put out, because 
their full strength team is is not that bad to be honest. I don't know if you know much about Hull, but I mean they were missing the first choice goalkeeper at the weekend, who's never missed a game up until that point. Um, I think he was on the bench because apparently he was suffering some long-term effects from COVID and they weren't too sure he wanted to play or could play. Um, Magenis, the top scorer up front, missed the game. Eldar, James Scott, Reese Burks, one of the first-choice centre-halves, all those players missed the game. And I'm just wondering, would they have would they have went ahead with this game if those players were still missing at the weekend? It's going to be interesting, isn't it? It, it is going to be interesting. I mean, along the same light, we don't know who Sunderland really could rely upon, as we touched upon in the reaction pod on Saturday. Um, with respect to our game away to Northampton. The the fact of the matter is, the club fail. They've got enough of a, a squad to put a competitive side out. Um, mm. But, you know, we were desperate for somebody to put some some direct running and passing into the midfield on Saturday. And Milton was on the bench and he never came on. So that's that's got to say that we probably had some players that were, you know, having a bit of a hangover from the COVID um, situation as well. Yeah. If 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 the whole side continues to be significantly impacted, then obviously that might play in Sunderland's favour. What I don't want is a situation where it's so much of a hodgepodge that people start saying, "Oh yeah, well you only beat us because of that," and putting a half-strength team out um, doesn't do anybody any favours. Apart from the AFL, who, like you said, have sanctioned the game because they want to help us catch up. So I'm I'm hopeful that the you know the pre-COVID form for Sunderland is better than the pre-COVID form for Hull. Yeah. Simple as. We, we haven't lost since the first week of December when, fair enough, we lost 1-0 at home to Wigan. Um, and we all know what happened, you know, closely after that. Johnson had been in the job for like two and a half hours or something daft and he mm-hmm. agreed to stand in the dugout. Um, our form is a bit better than theirs. So all things equal, we should have a good game on our hands. Um, but I certainly don't want it to be, you know, a game where one of the sides is struggling to put out a competitive side. I'd like it to be a right old hooli and I'd like us to win clearly. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really unclear about who needs to have further recovery from the Sunderland side, just the same as I'm really unclear who out of them five or six you mentioned might be back for Hull. It's just anyone's guess, isn't it? Yeah, one of their best players got called back on loan the other day, Hakib Adelakoun. Yeah, he was on loan from Bristol City. He's been recalled by his parent club, so there's one player that definitely won't be playing. We have to, For me, Chris, it doesn't matter how good Hull are, they're second in the league, fair enough. doesn't matter how good they are, they're still a League One team and they've still got problems, they've still got players missing. They have just lost one of their best players. You know, Imagine Sunderland, for instance, um, lost Jack Diamond. I know he didn't play particularly well at the weekend, so maybe that's a bad example. But let's say we lost one of the players out of our front three who's been playing well regularly. That's got to have an effect, hasn't it? So we have to take advantage of it, surely. Yeah, well, I mean, this this bad run of form kind of coincided with uh, you mentioned uh, Magenis. Um, yeah. I mean, he he did his hamstring first kind of couple of days of December, um, and then they seemed he'd already had seven goals by that point, and uh, they seemed to struggle after that, as Malcolm said, losing three and drawing the other in December. But Charlton seemed to kind of suggest that they they were back on track. But but like you said, I mean, you know, we showed back in September. That you know when we played Hull, I mean first day of the season we or first day of the season it was actually League Cup, wasn't it? We yeah. were actually the better side against them, and I, I don't think you know in League One. I mean, look, I mean Lincoln are top, and we went to Lincoln and, and hammered them four 0 So there's nothing between any of the sides in League One, and that's why I just think it's it's going to be all about momentum. And if Lee Johnson can get a few wins going, um, and we get a bit of momentum, then you know even automatic promotion's still there for us. 
It's just all about getting on a good run. I mean, look at Hull. Hull have won one in the last five, and they're still sitting second three, was it three or four points off Lincoln in, in top with a game in hand? Mm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, all yeah. you need to do is, is get get a few wins under your belt, get a good run going, and, and you know, the promotion's still there, whether it's automatic or not. The one thing from our side I'm concerned about, as Malcolm said, all right, we've only lost once in December, but at the same time in, in League One, we only won once. And I know it was a huge win, top of the league, Lincoln, 4-0 away from home. But we we could have easily been two down in that first 20 minutes against Lincoln. I mean, they went clean through on goal twice, and it was only because of the kind of poor finishing in League One, for League One strikers that we didn't go 2-0 down. Um, and then we managed to get the first goal. And quite as you see so many times in League One, it's quite often kind of first goals the winner. So it's and again, I think it's I think it's going to be tight, and it's going to be one of those games. But it's it's anybody's game. It's not it's not just because Hull is second. It, it's you know I don't see them as kind of favourites or anything like that. Mm, the yeah. league's in a funny shape, to be honest. I think you've just touched on the Lincoln game. They're top. <laughs> we absolutely outclassed Lincoln. The top of the league. They're four points clear. Hull in second place. They've lost six games out of the nineteen already. I when when I see stuff like that, I always remember back to I know it's probably this is an extreme example, but I always remember back to the the Quinn and Phillips days. We we got promoted and only lost three games that season. Mm. So teams up there this time around have lost six already. Mm. It just shows that the quality in this league's not really there. All right, Huller Huller a good League One team, but as we showed against Lincoln, Malk, we can we can beat these teams. We've got more than enough in our ranks. And as I touched on at the start. It's mainly the, the 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 rubbish teams. I don't mean to be too disrespectful to Northampton, but they are the rubbish. Who, when they come up against Sunderland, they, they know if they just put eleven men behind the ball, they've got a chance of getting a point out of the game. You just don't get the impression that a team like Hull would play like that against us. But I might be wrong. Oh yeah, we don't know, and the amount of players that do make it back from the you know the COVID break and the treatment bench are going to have an influence on the tactics that both teams play. I think. You know, we had a go on Saturday, but it was very flat. You know, but but Northampton were playing a back eight. You know, they were playing three five one one, I think, or three five two. And the left sided midfielder, as well as the left sided centre back and the wing back, were just double manning Jack Diamond to stop our creativity. We can't we can't blame Jack Diamond for that. We need to find a way around it as a team. Um, but when you're faced with a back eight, that's that's the kind of challenge that you've got. Um, and unfortunately, on the other wing. McGeady's touch was a little bit off, and you know we we just didn't have the we didn't have the the best kind of performance. Um, will Hull be like that? I'd like to hope not. I don't think they will. They, they don't they don't seem to be that kind of team. They are a, a League One team, but they're one of the better football sides because obviously they've just come down. Um, that guy Adela Coon that you just mentioned, um, he scored the first goal against Charlton when it was eleven v eleven. So if he has cleared off back to his parent club then, you know, that capability and creativity and goal scoring uh, is gone, uh, which can only be a plus thing for Sunderland. And and going back to the competitiveness and the mess of the league, if we win on Saturday and results go our way, we can go up to fifth because we'll have better goal difference than Peterborough. You know, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's right. It's yeah, mad. I just noticed that. Yeah. It's mad, you know. So yeah. we're only three points off fifth and five points off third. And and sorry to butt in, Mark, but there's a lot of games still going to be off at the weekend as well. So there will you, be, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it should so be interesting. It's, I mean, it's a definite one of them traditional theoretical six-pointers, uh, which takes us back to the, ooh, should we play it now kind of angle. But, you know, why the hell not? There are 11 blokes the same as us, and 
you know, Johnson showed with the team pre-COVID, if we get it right, we can get it very right against the top clubs. So let's give it a, let's give it hell. We'll see what happens. Yeah. How do we set up against the side that play on the front foot in a 4-3-3 then, Chris? Do you think we just match them or? Because that seems to have been the favoured um, sort of system, hasn't it, from Johnson, a 4-3-3 with a midfield runner coming in from behind. Uh, what do you do? How do you play against a team who play like that? As maybe Mal touched on there, I think it, it kind of suits us because I think uh, I think this is the the kind of game Lee Johnson has in mind rather than the where the opposition sit on the edge of their area wait for us to come onto them. I think uh, it's actually going to be a game where our, the likes of Jack Diamond, the likes of McGeady, hopefully will receive the ball with a bit of space or kind of where it's one against one where they can actually do their thing. I'm I'm assuming he's going to have Josh Gowan in there again, although he was he was pretty poor um, at Northampton, but. He obviously wanted Josh Gowan to make those forward runs into the box. He had Max Power early on in his first few games making those kind of runs into the box as well. So hopefully with a, with a bit of space and with a team that's going to be further up the pitch, you know, 20 yards further up at least with not sitting on the edge of their box, that we might get those pockets of space that he actually wants to use in, you know, rather than getting it wide and crossing it in. We might actually use the central areas and, and play in there and see McGeady coming into those pockets. But uh but you never know what Hull might do. I mean, Hull might come and you know see what other teams have done, and think, well, if if we're gonna if we're gonna get a result, let's frustrate Sunderland, get a goal, and that's three points, and we'll come on with three mm. points. So uh, you wouldn't blame them if they've watched us. You wouldn't blame them for doing that. Mm. Well, they're they're away from home as well, aren't they? And yeah. Like we said, you know that. They lost away to Blackpool. They're not on a great run of form, so who knows what tactics they're going to throw down. If I was Grant McCann, I'd I'd, uh, I'd frustrate us. I'd get him behind the ball and I'd catch us on the break. I, d- I don't see why, just because they're second in the league, that the expectation is that they come out. Their expectation is to come and get at least a point from what they probably see as a tough away game. Why, why they would need to play open, expansive football. I, they, they don't need to. <laughs> they've seen they've seen how to frustrate Sunderland if they've watched our game, so... Wouldn't be surprised at all if if they did what what other teams have done to us. Yeah, <clears throat> Hull have only drawn one game this season, which is quite interesting. Which does certainly suggest that they um they do play a sort of gun ho style. Um, not not the type of team who go anywhere and sit behind the ball and try and defend. Uh, but who knows? Um, it does spell the return also of George Honeyman to Sunderland, and that's one that I think in the build up to the game, people will people will have a lot to say about George Honeyman. As, Especially since he's the he's the league's top assist maker so far this season. He's got eight, two goals, receiving plaud. It's not just from Hull fans and Hull media, but the wider sort of VFL media. Does that sting a bit, Mal? That one with with Honeyman is he? Are you past that? Because I I'll be honest with you, right at the time when we sold him, I tried to I tried to see the the positive in in making that decision to sell George Honeyman. But as time's gone on. I don't. I, yeah, I haven't come to terms with it. I, it. It does sting a little bit. Like I said, it it stings to see him doing well for Hull. He walk into this team at this stage. I think. Yeah. How how are you how do you feel about that? The way were you particularly bothered about Honeyman when he when he left? <clears throat> I was surprised because you know he'd been made the club captain at quite a young age, and he was he was you know we have a lot of jokes in our group, don't we? About you know the standard Honeyman score is seven out of ten pretty much every week. I wasn't massively gutted when he left. You know, he was a little bit hot and cold at times. Um, but I don't think what Jack Ross had done with him and what, you know, what he'd managed to put on the pitch 
clearly demonstrated the qualities that he's got. You know, mm. the, the stats speak for themselves. I mean, he scored a good number of goals for us. You know, he, he did well, especially that first season uh, in League One. You know, he, he was a cracking little player. I can only imagine that the system that Hull are using is right up his street um, and he's being backed by the coaches and the managers to, to do what he is naturally good at. I don't think that was always the case in the Sunderland team for his tenure. You know, it's a, it's it's a difficult one. Personally, I don't know the lad personally, but as a <laughs> football person, I wish him all the best. I hope he doesn't bloody score on Saturday, but, you know, he's a good lad and he's he's one of our own, so good luck to him. But, yeah, it's it's still got a bit of taste in the back of my mouth, the same as you, Gav, and I do think um, he's going to provide a lot of challenges in our midfield, against our midfield this weekend. Because he knows his onions in there, and like like you've said with the stats, he's he's proved that he can he can provide the goods and score a few as well. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, um, I I think with with quite a lot of um Sunderland's sales over the years going back, especially over the last decade or so, um, it's just how how we replace them, and I think I think that was that was always the problem and has been for for a long time. I don't think necessarily it was the wrong decision to sell them. Uh, you know, it was kind of toss of a coin at the at the time. But what I do think was, I think to become the player that I think George Honeyman can be, I think he needed to leave Sunderland. I think there was too much too much emotion in it for him. I think get, uh, him getting the captaincy didn't help. Didn't help him at, at all. I don't think the fans then kind of give him the chances as just a purely a player. I think it was more was expected of him as captain, and I, it was slightly unfair. But he 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 never really kind of. You know, took games by the scruff of their neck. You know, he didn't kind of stand out as being the best player every week. He's shown us the player he could have turned into, but I don't think he was ever going to do that at Sunderland. And I think, I think he needed a move to kind of free himself up and, and uh, kind of become the player. I think, I think he probably can be. Mm, yeah, yeah, I, I can certainly see that. Honeyman had to deal with him was the fact he was the captain, which puts a target on your back. If being a young lad who's come through the academy isn't a big enough target. Then becoming the captain gives just there's just so much expectancy there, particularly when you're the captain of Sunderland in League One, when people want the team, expect the team to be successful, and when we aren't, you become a bit of a scapegoat, I guess, a fall guy. Honeyman for me was was never. I think you you made a good point. He maybe needed to leave to to stretch his wings a bit. I personally would have loved to seen him stay. I think in this system, in this this Sunderland team, he's the midfielder we're missing. Just somebody who wants the ball. One thing I always used to say about Honeyman, even when he didn't play well, he always wanted the ball. He never went hiding. You know, if if you wanted somebody to go pick the ball up off the centre halves or pick the ball up off the whole midfielder or go give the the full backs an option, he was always there. He never went hiding, and that's the type of midfield that Sunderland are missing right now. We're, you know, when we're we're putting out three holding players effectively, we don't have anybody with those sort of attributes in the current team, and I think that's probably something they'll be looking for. Funnily enough, in January is a player who does those those sort of things. Just to bring you back in there, Milk, I can see you want to say something. Yeah, I'm, I was just going to say, Gav, so if we had him now, what would you do with him in that midfield out of interest? Because I agree with Chris's point, we didn't replace him well, mm. and that's part of the challenge we've now got in the midfield. If we had him now, what would we do with him? I think we'd still have Ledbetter holding the midfield, so we'd have to replace either Power or Skewen. Yeah, um, yeah. That, 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 well, he's got eight assists this season, which shows he's not playing... When he he played a lot of the time for Sunderland deeper, and um, that was never his position. He was always even as a young no. lad. He was a he was a ten, or he played a, he could play out wide. He's certainly not a wide player for me. He's a ten in a three. If you play a three three man midfield, you have George Honeyman at the top of that. 
sort of linked and play. Mm-hmm. Like I say, do, doing what he's good at, which is just going and looking for the ball. You need you can't you can't have if you're playing a midfield three, you can't have all three of them just sitting in front of the defence. You need one of them to be busy. And that's what he is. He's a busy player. Mm. So if it was me... And that's what would... we didn't have. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And, and so we didn't have that at Northampton, did we? That no, was the problem. No. We didn't have anybody moving forward. Yeah, for, no, for, forward penetration is important in a team. It's Especially when you're a team who's expected to win games and play on the front foot. And the problem is, is with, with us at the minute, Power isn't capable of doing that. I would say Power's busy, but I don't think he's a good player. Certainly not good enough to play as a 10 um, he struggles to make forward passes, simple passes. He can't. He, he just struggles with his passing. Ledbetter, you, you can't expect him to play that role because he's he's a lot older. He needs to sit in front of the defence, and then Scowen is just a weird player. I can't understand. He, he isn't a he isn't a ten. He isn't a holding player. I'm not sure what he is, but he certainly isn't that type of midfielder. I mean that that position's up for grabs, and we've seen we've seen. You know, us linked with a with a centre midfield player, haven't we? In the last week, I saw the the Forest Green captain, which apparently he he is that sort of player, apparently. But I've never watched him. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that is, that's that's what that's probably where he would fit in this team. Um, and maybe yeah. like you say, you've you've just said there, we never replaced him. It shows because what's it been now? What a year and a half since he left, and was, I'm talking about having to sign a player like Honeyman <laughs> just to mm-hmm. just to get us through at the end of the season. It's um. Yeah, it's really strange, and I'm, I'm, that's maybe why it stings. I think that's what Parkinson was trying to do with Scowen, and what you know we're still trying to get from him with Johnson. Hmm. But um, I just don't think that's the person he is or the footballer he is. Um, yeah. So yeah, I wouldn't disagree with much of that maybe at all. We'll have to see what comes in in the window. Yeah. And and Max Bauer needs to remember what he needs to work out what type of player he is as well because I, I don't. It we're, we're what we're almost half we're halfway through the season and he still hasn't still hasn't worked out what his role is this season. Uh, no. He needs to work that out and get his head right. I, I, I to be honest with you, I think it's clear the manager has already worked that out. And he, mm. if he signs a centre midfield player, I think Power's got to look over his shoulder. And he hasn't played well enough to to hold down a place. He may well be the captain of the team, but that shouldn't that shouldn't guarantee you a start every week. Well, it didn't stop us selling on him, in, did it? We're going in a circle <laughs> there. there you go. Exactly, exactly. Okay, yeah. so before we round off, I just want to go over some listener questions. So, yeah, we will start off with Mining Canary, who asks, uh, are we too far behind to have a realistic chance of automatic promotion? Now, I, I asked this on um, nah. on the website this week. It's a funny one. It, but we've already sort of touched on this, haven't we, Chris, yeah. that... We we aren't that far off, really. No, not not at all, not at all. Um, if you look, if you look at the seasons, Peter Reid's first full season, ninety five, ninety six, and if you look at Roy Keane's uh, championship winning side, if you look at those title winning sides in January, um, I could look it up now, but we were kind of, I'm sure Roy Keane or something sitting around now is about ninth. I think we might have even been lower, actually. Yeah, I think, and then we we sort of we signed Edwards and. Um, yep. Somebody else, Can't Johnny Evans. Who. Johnny yeah, Evans. In yeah, general. we signed two players in that window, and it just yeah. flipped it on its head, didn't it? And uh, and Peter Reid was the same. I'm sure Peter Reid around January was about seventh or eighth or something like that. And uh, just just as I said earlier, momentum, get on a good run. And and honestly, I I think the top two's there for the taking. It just needs us to go on on a good run, and and we're, we're a better place to start at home against Hull on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll throw this one to you, Malk from Cameron Johnson. Big fan of the pod, Cameron. He's asked, uh, is Saturday's game where we need to get Willis back into the the eleven to deal with the pace of Wilkes and Magenis? 
Um, also, is our midfield good enough to control Hull's athleticism of Doherty, Honeyman and Smallwood? Two good questions, I think. I mean, yeah. Would you would you bring Willis back in? Um, we don't know, obviously, how fit Willis is, not only based on his knee injury that he's been nursing himself through for quite some time, but also in terms of COVID impact. Um, he didn't feature on Saturday, although... Fortunately, we did have a uh, we gave man of the match in the review pod in the um, reaction pod to to young uh, Sanderson because yeah. he had a very good game playing out of position. So I would certainly have Willis on the bench um, if he's fit enough. He's going to be challenging the likes of Flanagan for a position in the back four because Flanagan for me didn't play very well on Saturday. Gone. Will Willis make a difference that Sanderson can't? I don't think so. I think Sanderson's, if both players were fit, I think Sanderson would be pushing uh, Willis and McLaughlin for a place in the back mm. four. So I, I think. What about Flanagan, Malk? Would you have him in yeah, instead of Flanagan? Yeah, I, I just said if, uh, if, if both were fit, then I don't think Flanagan will play mm. because he hasn't got the athleticism that both Willis and Sanderson have got. Mm. Um, uh, will the midfield manage? They've got to. You know, there's, there's no two ways about it. Um, I think the. The combative kind of way that Hull go around things, like you say, Gav, they've only drawn one game all season, and that was only a few weeks ago. Uh, I think they drew one cup game as well and then lost on penalties, but that's neither here nor there. You never know what team they put out. Um, mm. the, 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 the way that they play, our midfield has absolutely got to be on the money, otherwise they're going to get embarrassed. You know, They couldn't break down and find their way around a very congested midfield playing against Northampton. You've got to hope that with a bit more space that Hull might give us in a more open game, then it'll be you know a better match and a and a better football spectacle. Um, but they've absolutely got to be on their A game, and I wouldn't be surprised if um, Johnson makes changes quite quickly if anybody's not on the ball because mm. you know we we haven't got room for any slack in that area. On Johnson, Jason Beatty asks Chris, uh, will he still intend to press from the off? Do we think? Um, well, yeah, we, we seem to have started uh, brightly in in kind of the first few games, um, but I, I don't know. I mean, uh, there was a few games against uh, well, while Parkinson was still here, actually, where you thought you actually thought first ten fifteen minutes, you thought, oh bloody hell, we've uh, we're, we're on it here. We're we're kind of this is going to be a good performance here, and then after the first quarter of an hour, it just tailed off. Um, I don't know whether that's a trait with the players because it's carried on under um, Lee Johnson. So he obviously does want us to put pressure on the ball high up the pitch which I always think is a good thing especially in league one because you know defenders on the ball you always see a defender on the ball in league one and you just you really desperately want somebody to go and put a bit of pressure on them because the panic uh defenders mm. in league one don't want the ball and you 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 stick a striker within 10 yards of him and he panics and the ball could go anywhere so I mean it's 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 definitely a good something we want to do in games so uh hopefully I mean especially I mean all right the fans aren't there but at home, you know, we're watching home games. We expect the team to, uh, you know, be on the front foot, put pressure on the ball, and hopefully that's a kind of minimum expectation Lee Johnson's got. Mm. Uh, and Robert Armstrong asks Malk, well, he's asked, can we expect another out-of-sorts performance due to lack of preparation? And if so, where does another poor result leave our chances of promotion? I know we've sort of touched on the fact that we don't think promotion's out of reach, but a poor performance and result... How do you think you you thinking would be on on Saturday late Saturday after that game if we if we don't put a good shift in? I think we've got a very good chance of getting a result out of this, and if we didn't have 
a very good chance, then you've got to argue that Johnson wouldn't have gone looking for the game. You know, uh, mm. he's got to be comfortable with the squad. He's got to be comfortable with how they're training. Um, he's got to, you know, he's already voiced in his uh, post-match conference after the, um, you know, a couple of the draws that we've had that he really wants to get the lads into the groove. Um, so I, I think we've got a good chance of getting a result. If we don't get a result, is it the end of the world? Absolutely bloody not. We've talked about this in this discussion already several times. The weird thing is, as we've uh, touched upon in this pod and in others, we seem to play better against the more um, attacking teams um, and struggle against teams in the lower half of the division who park the bus. So if if we go out there and we put a good performance in and get a draw, then I wouldn't be disappointed with that. And it's not the end of the world. If we lose, Johnson is going to very quickly come under a bit of pressure, especially in the transfer window, because it's going to make the transfer window even more critical that he's, yeah. he's not getting results, you know, yeah. so... It is it is a key game, but it's not the end of the world, is my view. Yeah, and we've we've had a bunch of questions about transfers, but I think we'll leave that for today, just because we're looking ahead to the game. But obviously, people are people are preparing to um to see what happens in the transfer window. And I think you're right, Mal. It's it's a case of this this performance will probably um, confirm a few things for Johnson, maybe about his players. Yeah. I expect you know he want he wants a, a good handful of players to improve the team. Um, and th- these players have to sort of prove themselves to him still, you know. He, he's yeah. only just took the job, and they know that he's looking to improve the team. Well, step up, you know, showing that you're 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 good yeah. enough. Well, I've got, I've got a quick one. I've got a quick one for you two, uh, just because in Over. the in 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 Roger Report's extensive, fantastic uh, match preview uh, that I've been uh, starting today. Uh, <laughs> who, who writes that again? Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I have one, one of your best writers, I think. But uh, <laughs> many plug, many plug. Um, <laughs> I've I've actually thought because against Northampton we're absolutely toothless up top and mm. I've just got a feeling that he might you know Charlie Wake yeah okay he's, he's he has scored goals I'm not going to knock him we, I think people have knocked him enough this season even though he's you know he has scored a few goals but I mean it does having Charlie Wake up top does invite us to play a certain way and against Northampton it was evident that the, the, the players kind of went back to the standard way of playing which I'm not sure Lee Johnson wants. I've got a feeling he's gonna maybe switch him out, maybe go with. I've got a, just a feeling he might go with Danny Graham, but I'm just wondering what you two thought on what he actually might change to make us well effective at all in the final third against Hull, which we weren't against Northampton. Mm, you know, for me, and it's something which I've sort of toyed with since he came to the club. In these situations, I sort of think, why don't we give? And this might knock us down if I'm wrong, but this might sound daft. Chris McGuire, I don't know. I would like to see. Him some I think he could play centre forward, and if we're looking for a striker in the transfer window, then what's what's the harm in trying something different? You know, I think playing somebody like Maguire maybe through the middle would force us to keep it on the deck, wouldn't it? Um, mm. and I think he can play there. He's played centre forward for for large swathes of his career. Um, I know he's not a natural out and out striker, but I would say the same about all of the other strikers. <laughs> in some <laughs> respect, I don't. But uh, and then at the same time. Charlie White's scored a lot of goals this season for somebody who hasn't played very well. Um, and you've, you're right, you're totally right what you've just said there. It forces us to play a certain way. But then you look at Hull's team. If Magenis is fit, and he'll probably start if he is, he's big. And on Saturday last week when they played Charlton, um, Tom Eves started up front, who's another in that mould, just a big lump. So in terms of that, it does show you that you know you can play a good football with a big lad up front. But ultimately, our strikers just haven't been 
good enough for a long time. So I'd be looking at mixing it up. Problem is, is we don't have enough options. I mean, he's tried Greg. Greg's not fit. Could be out for, uh, what did he say, either three weeks or three months or even longer. You know, mm. we don't know until we get the results. Three weeks, from... three months, nine months or something. Yeah, so, it was something yeah. like that, wasn't it? So we're, we're looking at, you know, a very limited amount of options. He's going to, He's got either Graham or White, and he needs to he needs to see which one of them works. But I would like, to, and I think he's a I think he's somebody who would take gambles. I would like to see him. Just could you maybe get Maguire in up front, and and because he he works hard, he, he he runs people down. If you want to press from the front, then why not play Chris Maguire centre forward, and he scores goals, and he and he takes he, importantly he creates his own chances, which none of our other forwards do. Um, so while it does feel a little bit desperate. Yeah, maybe. Why? Why not give that a go? Uh, yeah, maybe. I I just think Maguire for me, Maguire hasn't looked fit for a long time. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I, I agree that the there can be some changes made, Chris. Um, I, I think Johnson is likely to to look to the kids. You know, he's known for that. Um, as well as looking to people who are returning from injury. So we don't know how fit young uh, Gooch is. Um, but I think as he comes back, then Johnson's going to try and get some at least some creativity out of him to make the likes of White and Graham more likely to get the tap-ins and, and things like that. I do think there's a, another chance for Mitch Curry. Uh, I think I think the lad has been tearing it up in the uh, in the junior kind of equivalent. So why not have him on the bench? Why not give him a shot? You know, he's mm. quick, he's young, he's hungry. Um, give him 20 minutes at the end if it's still a nil-nil or a 1-1 and why not, you know, especially if the lad's a lot looking very effective. But yeah, yeah. He's going to have to have a plan B, which is what we often criticise Parky for. So let, let's see what it is. But I, I hope it involves the youth and the returning from injuries. Yeah, and I, I remember the last game against Hull uh, at the start of the season. I'm sure they went with a young lad up front. Is it uh, Potter, the centre forward, um, who's similar sort of age and, and profile of uh, of Curry? So why not? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 the reason I didn't bring Mitch Curry into the conversation is it just feels like. If they were going to give him a bit of a chance, we would have seen him more of him in the last handful of games. Mm. I'm not writing the lad off. I just think maybe they've got a plan for him, which is to go out on loan. But um, possibly we've possibly. got nothing to lose, yeah. have we? Like I say, when I said about them, that's just a daft suggestion off the top of my head, Maguire. But mm. it, the premise is there, isn't it? We we have to try something because we keep playing the same players all the time in that position, and something's not right. Mm. Which is. Evidently, he's looking at a striker. We've seen us linked with the Hibs striker Nisbet. Um, but why not? Why not give someone yeah. like Mitch Curry a go? You know. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just always, I always feel, you know, even though he's he has bagged a couple of goals, uh, you know, he's he's he scored a, a decent amount this season. I always just feel if we've got Charlie White up front, it's kind of hoping for the best. Yeah. Um, so I just hope he changes it up because Northampton stank and. Uh, I just want. I just want. Don't want us to play like that again. I want us to, to yeah. either, uh, just to change something up top. Yeah. Wake did score ball, both goals against Lincoln with his feet, though, Chris. If you remember, so you know he he's not just a big lummox that has to kind of bundle them across the line or head them in. I think that's um, probably. I think know. he'll probably start on the on the back of that thought there, Mal. Last time we played a decent team, he scored twice. So. It does make you think, you know, what what what's Johnson going to go with? But it's uh, yeah. that's always nice to speculate. Anyways, uh, we've went on a long enough. I'll not ask you for your score predictions. If anyone's champing at the bit to hear what Malk thinks might happen, then they can read the score predictions piece that goes up on the site uh, before the game. Um, <laughs> so, you know, cheers, gents. Thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, let's hope. Let's just hope that in the player ratings pod that you'll you'll all surely hear after the whole game a top of three points. 
thank you very much and uh, we'll catch you down the road. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.